It's very easy, simply once you get connected to a church, to say, "Well, I'm involved and I'm doing this and I'm doing that." Doing the Father's work is a poor substitute for sharing the Father's heart. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. And Colin, some of us may already feel a bit convicted. We put such an emphasis on serving in the church that sometimes we lose sight of why we serve and who we serve. Yeah, that's right. And it is very important to emphasize serving. That's a right thing. I mean, a person who really loves the Lord is going to serve Him. But we're looking at Joseph's brothers here, and they worked for the Father and yet they hated the dearly loved son. Now that tells us something, that merely being involved in ministry isn't in itself a proof of having a good heart. And so there's a great deal for us to learn from the brothers here. Intimacy with God comes before activity for God. And when we get busy in serving the Lord, it's really important to be able to take a time out and to take a check. Now, wait a minute, I'm serving my God and my Father And the reason I'm serving him is because I love his dearly loved son, Jesus Christ. We can't wait to get into this, so let's open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 37 and begin this message, Hated and Despised. Here's Pastor Colin. We're continuing our series on the life of Joseph, and uh, last week we were introduced to him as the loved and favored son. Today we're going to see how he was hated and despised by his brothers, and The point of the story and the reason that it's in the Bible is that, of course, the whole Bible is the story of a son who is loved and favored by God the Father and was hated and despised in the world. And so we're going to see throughout this series floodlights on Jesus Christ. Uh, And that is the very reason why the story and all the stories are there in the Old Testament scriptures. But we're also taking hold of this wonderful truth, that when we are in Christ, a Christian, a person who has faith in the Lord Jesus, the New Testament says, is a person who's in Christ. When we are in Christ, what is true of him in real measure becomes true of us. And what that means is that the love and the favor of the Father is upon all those who are in Christ. And it is also true that the experience of being hated and despised and rejected within the world in some measure will also be true of those who are in Christ, that what he experienced as the beloved son of the father, as he came into the world, will also in some sense be true of us when we are in him. And that's why we've called the series Snapshots of a Godly Life. Because this is giving to us a glimpse of Jesus who calls us to this godly life and also of the life to which he calls us. Now we saw last time that God spoke in a remarkable way through dreams to this man Joseph. And they came to him with all the force of the word of God itself. And so Joseph told his dreams to his brothers. What else could he do? It was the word of God. He spoke the word of God to them. And we saw already at last time that they did not receive this well. Speaking the word of God proved costly for Joseph. And speaking the word of God in this world today will prove costly for God's people around the world still. How costly it was is what we're going to see in the story today, and I hope you'll have your Bible open at Genesis and chapter 37. Genesis and chapter 37. There are really three themes that I want us to uh, focus in on today. We're going to see the compassion that is in the heart of God, 
the compulsion that is in the human heart and then the comfort that can come to a believer's heart. So first then, uh, Genesis 37, we're beginning at verse 12, the compassion that is in the heart of God. And we're told here that these brothers, who we got to know last week, went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. Near Shechem. Now, it's very interesting that these brothers, who were living in quiet rebellion against God, are still involved in the father's work. They're resisting and rejecting the word of God that Joseph is going to be exalted. And yet here they are doing the father's work, attending to the father's flock. And if you had met them, they would have said to them, you know, what are you doing? They would have said, well, we're doing the father's work. We're caring for the father's flock. We are about our father's business. They're doing the father's work, but obviously they do not share the father's heart. They're rather like the elder brother. Remember in the story of the prodigal son. And he's the one that's always doing the good work for the father. But the heart of the father is not in him. Actually, he's really resistant to the father and uh, resentful towards him. And always remember this that we draw from uh, this point right at the beginning of the story. That doing the father's work is a poor substitute for sharing the father's heart. It's very easy simply once you get connected to a church to say, well, I'm involved and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Simply doing the Father's work is a poor substitute for sharing the Father's heart. These brothers who were very, very far from being right with God at this point in the story, nonetheless were doing the Father's work. And what I want you to see today is the love of the Father for these rebel sons. Remember, we saw last time that the sons had made Jacob's name stink in the land. That's what Jacob says. You made my name stink. But Jacob does not then cut them off. He loves them. He cares about them. And he seeks their good, even though they have acted in such ways as have brought shame upon him. And the love of the father and also of the son are very, very clearly seen in this part of the story. See what's there. First, there's the love that sends. Verse 13, Israel, that's Jacob, said to Joseph, are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. Now, the very fact that the uh, brothers were pasturing at Shechem would have given Jacob reason to be concerned about them. If you remember from last week, we saw in Genesis chapter 34 that Shechem was the place where the brothers committed that awful atrocity that caused the name of Jacob to stink in the land. And because they had uh, engaged in what really, it was an act of terrorism, really, this violent act in which they had taken the lives of the men of Shechem. Now here is is Jacob, and he's concerned for his sons, because although the men of Shechem have gone, they're near Shechem, there would have been other um, clans, families in the area, uh, some of whom may have been interested in revenge, others of whom may have said, we'd better take action against these guys, otherwise something similar might happen to us. And so Jacob is concerned for the lives of his rebel sons. 
And uh, so he calls uh, Joseph to him. In verse 13, he says, come, I will send you. And Joseph says these wonderful words in the Bible that previously were said by Abraham and later said by Isaiah, here I am. And so what you have here, think about it, is the father sending his son on a dangerous journey because of his great love for rebel sons who have made his name stink in the land. The father is seeking the good even of those who have rebelled against him. And he says, verse 14, go now and see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock and bring me word. And you remember how Jesus said, as the father has sent me, so I am sending you. I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. So there's the love that sends. Second, as we try and take in the love that the father has, even for his rebel uh, sons, there's this love that seeks. Verse uh, 16, the son comes and he says, I am seeking my brothers. Think of the son. Think of how this speaks to us about the Lord Jesus. The father calls him for a mission. He says, here I am. He knows it's a dangerous mission, but he goes. Why does he go? Why does he come into the world? I am seeking my brothers. He arrives at Shechem. And the scripture tells us that when he arrives at Shechem, the brothers are not there. Now, it would be very reasonable since the son was sent by the father to uh, find them at Shechem and they're not there. It would have been quite reasonable for Joseph to go back at this point and say to Jacob, his father, hey, dad, I went to Shechem. They weren't there. They weren't in the place that they were supposed to be. But notice Joseph doesn't do that. We're told that a man found him wandering up in the fields, up and down. Joseph is looking for his brothers, relentlessly seeking after them. And then verse 17 tells us that Joseph found the brothers at this place called Dothan. Now, Dothan would have been a total of 64 miles from where Joseph started his journey. 64 miles. There'll be a lot of us have never walked 64 miles uh, at one time in, in all of our lives. I know some of us have run 26 miles. Uh, you've run the marathon. Double that and add another half for good measure. That is the length to which Joseph walked, searching up and down, trying to find these brothers. Aren't you glad that God does not give up searching for us when we're not in the place that we were supposed to be? Isn't it good that Joseph did not give up searching for the brothers when they were not at Shechem, but he goes after them, he goes after them. Why is all this detail in the story? Because it's pointing us to Jesus Christ who comes into the world. We're not where we were supposed to be. But he goes after us to seek us and to find us. This is love, the love of the Father that sends, the love of the Son who seeks. And then there's a third thing, the love of the son who suffers. Verse 23 and verse 24. When Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors. 
that he wore. And they took him and they threw him in a pit. You can't read this story without thinking about the purple robe that was worn by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And how that was stripped from his back. And how they gambled for it after he had been scourged and after he had been crucified. And in the story, just a little later on, you get another snapshot of the degree to which Joseph suffered that again points us forward to the Lord Jesus here. It's in Genesis 42 and verse 21. The brothers are reflecting on what happened on that day where they were so cruel to Joseph. And they say in that verse, in truth, we are guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. So here are the brothers, after the event, they're looking back and they're saying, we saw the distress of his soul. The distress of his soul. Doesn't that make you think about Jesus when he's in the garden of Gethsemane and he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. That's what the love of God cost. The love that sends, the love that seeks, the love that suffers. And Joseph begging, picture him in the pit, and there's no mercy. He calls out and no one answers. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Here's Jesus. He's come out of the protection of the Father's house. And he suffers in agony. And no one hears his cries. The love of God Father, Son, compassion. And it's while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. He does this for us while we have absolutely no interest in him. Why? Because he is love. That's the first great theme for us to see. Whoever you are, whatever you have done, however far you are from God... There is love in the heart of the Father and there is love in the heart of the Son for you today and God reaches out to you in love. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Hated and Despised. It's part of our series Snapshots of a Godly Life where we're taking a look at the life of Joseph. If you happen to miss one of our messages, you can always catch up on the website. That's openthebible.org.uk. There you can stream any of our previous messages or listen again to today's message. You can also download any of the messages as a free MP3. Let's return to the message now. Here's Pastor Colin. You come to see the love that is in the heart of God. It becomes much more difficult to stay at a distance from Him. It's a love that wins. And it's a love that's poured out and never seen more clearly than at the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first great theme. Here's the second. And it's about us. It's about the compulsion that lies in the human heart. The compulsion in the human heart. And uh, I've used that word compulsion not only because it begins with C like the other ones do today, but also because I want us to see that sin is a power. 
See, many folks understand that sin is things that we do wrong. That's true. That's right. But sin is much more than a bunch of things that you may do that are wrong. Sin is actually a power that resides in the human heart. Apart from the grace of God, we'll never prevail over it. And even when we come to be in Christ and the Holy Spirit lives within us, we have to understand the default mode of the human heart because we will always be fighting against it. We will always be doing battle against the impulses of the human heart, of the default human heart. That is why the Christian life is a battle. We've got to be watching for the the weeds that grow up, as it were, rooting them out. John Owen, the great uh, Puritan writer, puts it this way. He says, you've got to always be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. That's a great little snapshot of the Christian life. You've always got to be killing sin, otherwise sin will be killing you. Now, what's the sort of stuff that comes up from the default mode of the human heart that we really need to watch out for? Uh, Here are three things that are very obvious in the story. The first is this whole matter of envying. And you see that in verse 11, and it runs right through the story, that Joseph's brothers were jealous of him. Envy. Now, let's pause for a moment on this um, sin. Suppose someone comes into money, a friend of yours, and uh, you've been friends with this person or with this couple for some time, and for many years your life has been very similar to uh, their life, and then they come into money. Maybe the person has married uh, into uh, money. Uh, Maybe their business has uh, thrived, and very, very quickly, Life takes on different dimensions for uh, that person. Whereas before your life was very, very similar, now your life is very obviously different from theirs. Now, what is the godly response to that? Well, the godly response to that is to rejoice with those who rejoice. Change the picture. Here's someone who has been given a marvelous opportunity that wasn't given to you. You say, well, thank God that it was given to them. That's the the godly, godly response. To find as much pleasure in the good that has come to them as you would have found pleasure if the same good had come to you. But everyone knows, just saying that, that is not easy and that does not come to us naturally. What does come to us naturally is two particular temptations that we're going to have to fight. One is to covet, and the other is to envy. And it's perhaps uh, useful to uh, know uh, the difference between the two. Coveting is when you want what another person has. Envying is when you don't want another person to have what they have been given. Coveting wants to gain something for yourself, but envying wants to deny something to somebody else. And so there's a sort of desire to hurt that lies within envy. Coveting says, I want to have the same as you. Envying says, I don't want you to have more than me. And so there's a a meanness of spirit about it. 
And uh, that is why the Bible says in the book of Proverbs and uh, chapter 14 and verse 30 that envy rots the bones. Isn't that a phrase? Envy will rot your bones. It'll eat you out from the inside because of the meanness of spirit that is at the very heart of this particular disease of the soul. Now, Joseph's brothers would have been very happy if he had remained their equal But God has said that Joseph will be lifted up, and they don't want him to have that. It's not that they're saying, we must be lifted up. That would be covetousness. It's simply that we're saying, we don't want you lifted up. And that's the nature of envy. So, by the way, if God blesses you, if God prospers you, if God causes your ministry to advance... If God's blessing is particularly upon your family, don't be surprised if others may envy you. Rejoicing with those who rejoice is a very rare grace in a selfish world. And that's one more reason why we ought all the more to seek to cultivate it in our lives. Because very, very few people have the grace of doing this well to genuinely rejoice with those who rejoice. Now, the sin of envy is actually, and you'll see this when you you see what envy is, it actually lies at the root of so much resentment to God that lurks in the human heart. So you think God has said of his beloved son that he will be exalted, that every knee will bow before him, And the envy that is the default mode of the human heart isn't so much saying, oh, that ought to be me. It's saying it shouldn't be him. We don't want to give that position to Jesus. We don't want him to have that. We will not have this man to reign over us. It's the default mode of the human heart. We're going to pause the message here. You've been listening to Pastor Colin Smith and Open the Bible with the message Hated and Despised, part of the series Snapshots of a Godly Life. We're on chapter 37 of Genesis today. We'll continue this message on our next broadcast. I hope you'll join us then. Open the Bible is only able to come to you as a result of your generosity in supporting the work. This month, if you're able to commit to a donation of £5 or more, we'd like to send you a free copy of a book. The book is called Holiness, and it's by J.C. Ryle. Colin, I know this is one of your favourite books. What makes this book, Holiness, so unique? One of my all-time favourite books, and the reason for this is that there are some books that just help you make sense of your own experience as a Christian. And that's what this book, Holiness, has done for me. On the one hand, the Scripture tells us that being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And on the other hand, we all know as Christian believers that having peace with God, we're also involved in a fight. We're in a battle against the temptations that we face and find in our own flesh. And the Bible says without holiness, we will not see the Lord. So how in the world do you hold these two things together? And what has been so helpful to me in this book is that Ryle shows how you hold these two things together. He actually says straight up that a Christian is a person who is at peace and in conflict 
at the same time. And yet you can tell a real Christian as much by his conflict, that is his own inner conflict with sin and temptation, as you can by his peace. Now, that begins to open up a whole world of understanding as to what Christian experience is really like. So I go back still to this book again and again. I quote from Ryle many, many times. It's been one of the great sources of biblical wisdom in my life, and it's just a joy to be able to share this book with our audience this month. It's called Holiness, written by J.C. Ryle, and it's our gift to you this month for supporting Open the Bible with a donation of £5 or more. And starting this week on the Open the Bible website, you can hear Sue McLeish reading Pastor Colin Smith's Daily Devotional. A fresh reading every day. It's a great way to start the day. For Open the Bible and Pastor Colin Smith, I'm David Pick, and I hope you'll join us again next time. Open the Bible is a listener-supported production. What is the effect of a pattern of repeated sin on the human heart and on the conscience. Find out next time on Open the Bible.